we never had this conversation with any of our guests how to protect talents and influencers when it comes to work with brands on a collaboration level. What you're doing as an influencer is building a business. It is important to have a lawyer on your team, have an attorney to help them navigate contracts and protecting their IP, etc. The IP regulation has evolved. Is it becoming more competitive and challenging for both brands and creators? It's really important to define the usage terms, whether it will be used on certain platforms. The cancel culture is something that we all need to re-examine and think about. Influencers, they need to have more and more that mindset of conscious. Everything they say online, people will believe and they have a responsibility we have the power to shed light on a lot of issues. Hi everyone, Mara Genovese here, founder and CMO of Imaging Power, a global influencer marketing. Happy to be here today with our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. Today, as always, I'm here with my lovely Alex Velev, campaign manager here at Imaging Power. Together, we are delighted to have today on our show, Anita Shema. Anita is founder and managing partner at Sharma Law, a specialized entertainment law firm focused on providing legal advice to digital creators and talent to learn how to navigate the era of digital taking care of their intellectual property. With over 18 years of experience in entertainment law, Anita and her team have been at the forefront of digital media deal-making. So today's episode, we will be discussing with Anita and Alex how influencers can protect their brand and content in the ever-changing digital media landscape. Alex, welcome to our show, and how are you? I'm great, Myra. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm excited to be co-hosting today's episode. Uh, quite a different topic than the ones that we usually discuss, but a very relevant one in today's fast-moving digital world. Uh, very excited to introduce our very special guest joining us from New York City. Anita, welcome to, M uh, to Influencer Marketing Uncovered, MGM Powers Podcast. Thank you once again so much for joining us. And I would like to start the podcast by asking you to tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and uh, your professional experience. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to be here on your podcast. And, you know, in terms of my experience, I'm an entertainment lawyer. Um, I have been practicing for a long time. I first started in, you know, what's, what we call traditional media, so film, TV. And I'm in around... 2013 started to really work in digital media and got my first influencer client then. And since then, we've built a roster of over 45 influencer slash digital content creator clients. And because we got in so early in the digital media space uh, and working with creators within that space, we really have been at the forefront of the deal making. There is not a deal in the digital space that we have not seen. And because we represent so much talent and, and such a diverse, you know, cross genres from chefs to tech experts, to moms, to comedians, um, we've really seen all kinds of different deals in the space and especially within marketing. Amazing. Wonderful. 
Anita, as, as Alex said, so we, we never had this conversation with any of our guests since we started our podcast. So I'm sure we're going to have an amazing audience today. Very interested to hear from your perspective, you know, how to, you know, protect talents and influencer when it comes to work with brands on a collaboration level. So let's um, kick off our conversation. And first thing I wanted to, to, to ask you, because you mentioned that you have been working with so many talents from different uh, backgrounds and you know, different industries and landscape. My, my, my curiosity from my side, do you, when you work with talent for such a diverse aspect, do you have to treat them when it comes to their deal with the with the brand in a different way, so your approach to talents is very bespoke and tailored, or you work with the influencers and talents in a way that is is it the same? If that makes sense. Sure. So there's definitely common principles you can apply across the board, right? In terms of looking at contracts between brands and an influencer. So there's definitely, you know, there are some sort of common ways to approach every deal, but it is bespoke in the sense that every influencer is different in terms of their audience and the type of content they create and sort of, you know, their tolerance level for the brand's usage of their content and, you know, how much leverage they have in deal making. So in that sense, it's a bespoke approach. Uh, but like I said, there's overriding principles sort of apply to every deal. Yeah. And then on your point of view, is it important for talents and influencers to having the support of a lawyer firm like yours is to protect their IP, is to protect their brand? So on, on this fast evolving landscape that is industry of influencer marketing, where we see, as you said, there's so many influencers from different industry talk about different topics. Do you, on your point of view, having a law behind this talent, it's crucial to protect their IP or there's something else behind that is not just to protect their own brand? Sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so I'm a little bit biased. I'm yeah. going to say you should absolutely have a lawyer and you should definitely hire us. I'm just joking. I Well, you <laughs> should have a lawyer. So there's, so our clients are all building businesses, right? And if you view it like that, like what you're doing as an influencer is building a business, then it is important to have a lawyer on your team, right? Most businesses, no matter what they are, have an attorney to help them navigate contracts and protecting their IP, et cetera. And so what we do is we act as general counsel to each talent. So we will help them register trademarks, right? So that's protecting their IP. We'll help them with the brand deals and sponsorships and make sure that they own the content and they license it to the brand. So there's all kinds of aspects that we're helping with. Basically anything, you know, every day, different things come in for any given client. And it's, you know, not only helping them protect their IP, but making sure that within the bigger picture of everything they're doing business-wise, that everything fits together. So they're not signing a contract that's in conflict with another contract. And so really, you know, keeping an eye on the business and legal aspects as a whole, like the big picture of their business is really a, a huge part of what we do. 
and 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 uh, because I've started in this industry five years ago, Anita as well. And then when I started, uh, we started Imaging Power as a talent management agency. We were not working with brands at the time. We were representing talent. So now we have evolved, and now Imaging Power we work only with with brands. Uh, on developing influencer marketing strategy, but then we go in and hire the right influencers for our campaign. So looking back in the past, I can see how much this industry has evolved, especially when it comes to contracts from both brands and creators, right? Uh, when I started, some of the creators wouldn't even think about, you know, having, you know, a law, a, a lawyer to look at their contracts and contracts with brands were much more simple than is it today. So how, like it has evolved, right? The IP regulation has evolved. So what are this evolution of the industry and how IP regulation has evolved? Is it, be, on your point of view, is it becoming more competitive and challenging for both brands and creators from, from the past? Because the industry has evolved a lot, right? And contracts before was two pages. Today, contracts are 14 pages. So tell us a little bit about this, you know, the IP regulations like that now is much more challenge. Sure. So IP regulations haven't changed so much. So the basics of IP have always been in existence, right? Protecting your content, the concept of licensing your content, all of that has always been in existence. I think what has evolved and what has changed is that people are starting to realize what that means exactly, right? Like, what does it mean for a brand to license your content? And to, you know, influencers are understanding that when a brand licenses your content, the influencer has to understand what that usage is, right? So what does the license say? So I think in that sense, it's evolved that both the brands and the influencers are now more focused on the language and contracts in order to enforce their rights and in order to have rights, right? Like originally it might've been a two page contract because it said, oh, create this content and the brand's gonna own it forever and use it in perpetuity and do whatever they want with it. That's probably what originals looked like, right? And I remember back in the day seeing those two page contracts. Now it's much more specific. It's the brand is only using it on Instagram. They're only, well, they're only allowed to post on their owned and operated social media platforms. They're only allowed to use it for three months. Any usage after that is an additional fee. You know, the exclusivity provisions, for example, like those have gotten much, you know, tighter in the sense that brands are very specific about, we don't want you to work with these competitors for this amount of time. So I think as um, influencer marketing has grown and evolved, people have recognized that these are all issues that need to be addressed in contracts that weren't being addressed before and that were creating a lot of issues. And so now the contracts are longer and more complicated because of that. And that's not a bad thing because it's important for an influencer to understand how a brand's gonna use their content. And it's important for a brand to understand what the influencer is gonna create for them and what they get to do with it. Yeah, I guess with the growing of the industry, with getting more educated, uh, the contracts are obviously becoming more complex, but it's really important to define the usage terms exactly as you said, whether it will be used on certain platforms, uh, competitor clauses, exclusivity, etc. So uh, we absolutely believe that that's something that is helping the industry grow more and more and become more professional because obviously the growth from when you started in 2013 until now is uh, tremendous. Uh, I want to kind of take a step back and 
ask a question about influencers being outspoken on their channel. So now with movements like Black Lives Matter and other political things happening within the world, uh, it has become uh, very important for influencers to be outspoken on their channels. But just want to ask you in your uh, opinion as a professional working within this field, is it a risk for influencers to be outspoken and uh, authentic on their own channels? And to what extent? So I would I would never advise a client to say or not say anything necessarily. I think that authenticity is so important, right? If if Black Lives Matter is something that a client wants to talk about, they should talk about that. And the brands that aren't happy with that for whatever reason, and I don't know who would be unhappy with it, but maybe there are some brands out there that are, um, just don't work with them. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, you should be allowed to express your opinion and talk about these matters that are affecting all of us. Um, and, and like the brands will find you or, or not find you, you know what I mean? It's kind of a, it's a natural thing. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I, I do think cancel culture has gotten so out of hand. And unfortunately I've had a couple of clients, you know, get canceled because of, you know, dumb things that they might've said 10 years ago when they were very young. And I don't think that's fair. I think that's unfortunate because I do think people who acknowledge their mistakes, own up to it and apologize should be given a chance. So, you know, the cancel culture, I think is, is something that we all need to sort of re-examine and think about, but it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult time right now. There's so many social issues at the forefront. Most of my clients speak about them and I don't see a negative effect, um, you know, coming to them because of that. In terms of uh, cancel culture, that's a very interesting topic to kind of unveil because we have seen the rise of cancel culture within the last, I would say, three years where someone uh, makes a mistake and then is completely uh removed from the face of the earth even yeah cancelled and uh as you mentioned you've had that happen to some of your clients and wanted to ask you in your opinion and working with your clients what has been kind of the steps to uh get away from this and, and kind of mitigate the issue so nowadays unfortunately brands are very 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 risk averse right in this cancel culture that we're in and so the second you know an influencer gets in any type of hot water the brands just run for the hills and that's the way it is right now and you know like i said i think that i think we're really going to have to get to the root of the issue about cancel culture and try to address it in a better way when people do make mistakes because we're all human and we all make mistakes and some are forgivable and some are not. Right. But I think that the forgiving part is being left out, but I will say like brands are hugely risk averse. I mean, you know, when, when anything happens with my clients, even the slightest thing, you know, the first thing to go are the brand deals. You know, that's unfortunate, but again, that's just the reality of you know, the culture that we're operating in right now. Absolutely. On the point of the, the canceling culture, one thing that I've, personally myself uh, because we do have a lot of relationship with influencers right as well despite the fact that we don't represent in them and when talking with them some of them as we're discussing here they like to be authentic they like to say what they feel what they think 
without you know being you know uh, preoccupied if that would become an issue for them for brands cancel partnerships or you know losing followers because they're more interesting to have that you know that voice that cultural voice but at the same time I do have influencers that uh, we work with they they prefer to not be outspoken and be authentic because of the worry that they have about, you know, you know, will I be canceled if I go to my social media and talk about the subject? I am not a, you know, against of, you know, going out there and talk what you think. Uh, and I, I really, as an agency, we really embrace authenticity here. And we do believe that as much organic and transparent you are with your followers, you know, more, you know, more authentic you would be uh, and more resonating you would be within, within your audience. But at the same time, uh, I do believe that influencers, they do have to take attention to what they speak because they can influence, right? Because they are influencers. And I think the evolution of influencer marketing is you will see that more and more the voice of the influencer will be more powerful than the voice of a brand. You know, people buy more into what influencers are saying rather than what a brand is saying. Reason why brands wanted to collaborate with influencers because they know if they go work with influencer, the chance that they will have to sell a product or to convert into a download an app will be much higher than if they do the the, the advertising themselves. Let's put this way. So my, my view on that is that influencers, they need to have more and more that mindset of conscious that everything they say online, people will believe and they have a responsibility for what they're saying. Because what they're saying can be a fake news, can be an information that is not true or it's not correct. So I think as we evolve, influencers, they, yes, as I said, let's continue to be authentic, but let's take a step back and think what I'm telling here will have an impact on a fake news, will have impact to create, you know, uh, a movement that perhaps it will have a big impact on your voice. So that is, is my view on that, you know, not just on the cancel culture, but like influencers, let's be responsible for you saying because your voice is so powerful that before I speak, think one, two, three times, but not on being canceled, but the responsibility that you have uh, from your voice. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, spreading fake news and, and talking about negative things, like we're talking in a way that's negative is definitely harmful. Having said that, the flip side of that is that because they have so much power as influencers and because so many people are listening to those voices, they do have the power to do a lot of good as well, right? They have, they have the power to shed light on a lot of issues, um, especially if they have, you know, very young audiences. I mean, I think that that's like a real opportunity to like educate young people, for instance, about certain issues. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, if you're in the public in general, I think you should be careful about what you say and how you say it, uh, you know, but, but frankly, I mean, if somebody's going to be expressing like racist opinions, then they do need to be held accountable and like held in check. And I think that's, you know, social media does that. Um, I think what I'm talking about that's unfortunate is when people make mistakes, maybe when they were very young and it comes back to haunt them or something like that, where 
again, like it's just this inability to forgive, it seems, or to sort of understand or, or listen to them and, and, you know, try to sort of empathize. I think that's lacking right now, which is, which is really unfortunate. Absolutely. And a great example is what happened recently with the new Estonian chief for Team Vogue, right, in the U.S. So yeah. she is amazing. I'm a big fan of her. And I was super excited when I heard the news that, you know, like she would be the new Estonian chief of Team Vogue. And then because of a tweet of like 10 years ago when she was super young, just has been removed from the role straight away. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you that impact, like being empathetic and looking at like when this person have made the mistake, okay, it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, because we all evolve, right? We're all here to, to evolve and to get mature. So on that, I'm totally agree with you that uh, it has to have a balance, right? Yeah, and I think that, frankly, that example is a good example. She should have been held accountable and people should have said, like, okay, what is this? What's going on here? Like, why did you tweet this? But, you know, she did try to explain and apologize and acknowledge that it was wrong. I think that's very, very important as well, though, you know, to to acknowledge something, apologize and and try to, like, correct that mistake, you know, which I, I think it appeared she tried to do and, and for, unfortunately didn't work. Yeah. So moving a little bit from the from the canceling culture, like I really wanted to get your views on this new creators economy that we're it, it is already here, but now it's growing. We're looking at platforms like Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. So they're all developing new business models to focus on creating tools for talents to monetize from their platforms. So how are brands and creators going to be legally impacted by new, new platforms dynamic that are creating this economy era within their social channel? So how can you know, brands and creators positive leverage from that change that the social medias are doing now on creating this, like we call creator economy era within these uh, platforms? It's incredibly exciting. You know, it's incredibly exciting, this creator economy and power being put back into the hands of creators, creators being allowed to post on social media platforms without having to go through gatekeepers, right? Like the old days of traditional media, you couldn't get your work out there unless somebody, you know, at a big studio liked it or put it up. So that's, it's very, very exciting to, to have um, the ability to just post your own content and build your own audience. I think the, you know, it's, it, just last night I was talking to my husband about this, that YouTube is going to surpass Netflix in terms of revenue. And that's, un, that's amazing. It's unbelievable, right? It's all user generated content that is on YouTube. I mean, there's some, you know, other stuff as well, like scripted, et cetera, but I mean, the majority being user generated content. So, you know, the platforms are like, le in terms of legally being impacted, I think, it's obviously important to do the basics, which is read the terms and conditions of any of these platforms. You know, privacy is, is a big issue. Obviously, the GDPR being enacted, you know, by the EU, and there's lots of rules around collecting, you know, data, et cetera. I think it's important to be able to understand that. But ultimately, the platforms are really working to be compliant with all of these regulations. So as long as you understand like what it means to have your content on any given platform, that's really what's important. But, but the platforms are doing most of the heavy lifting in terms of like the legal compliance and the requirements. 
In terms of uh, working with influencers, brands working with influencers, uh, one of the main positives of influencer marketing is that it allows uh, brands to, uh, to speak with their audience, to speak with their customers and, and uh, gather data, gather insight, gather comments about their products. Uh, I just wanted to ask, in terms of the legality of this, of, of kind of gathering that sentiment, uh, what is something that brands and influencers alike should know? So you should de- like brands in particular. So in, in terms of compliance, it seems that the government authorities are not going after the influencers as much as the brands and the companies. So I think it's, it's really important for brands to understand that they need a customer's consent in order to collect any personal information, Right. Um, that's like extremely important. I mean, the GDPR has like very strict requirements on, you know, accepting cookies, but also accepting, you know, having a customer accept a, a brand's privacy policy, right? And like the privacy policy is going to explain to a customer how a brand is going to be sharing their information or not sharing it, whether it's going to be anonymous or not anonymous. So those are, um, those are really important things for brands to understand. I think influencers, you know, they they can post content online and the terms and conditions of different platforms will talk about like how comments can be used, et cetera. I mean, ultimately it's all public. So if you don't want your comment to be used, you shouldn't post a comment, right? Because everyone can see it and it's public and you don't have ownership of that anymore. You know, if you're posting content online and that content is being used by somebody else, you have certain rights and that's important to know, right? Because you own the copyright in your content. So there's, there's, you know, a few different factors at play, but ultimately I really think, you know, brands need to understand the, um, the rules around data processing and data collection from customers. And that's really, that's really the most important thing um, right now, because there's a real focus by governments on that. In fact, California is basing their privacy policies and their data collection rules, et cetera, on the GDPR, which is a very, very strict standard, like I said, that the EU has enacted. Yeah. It's, we, we see the same here in, uh, in Europe and, and in South America, where we do, uh, you know, so many campaigns uh, from our clients. So we as an agency, for us, it's very important to, you know, to advise the influencer on the importance of, you know, disclose when is a paid partnership. And it, because like as an agency, I think we have a responsibility as well, right? To hire an influencer and making sure that we are following the rules, right? And, and making sure that when it's a paid collaboration, the influencers go there and follow the regulation that they have to follow to protect themselves, but also, as you said, the brand, right? Because normally it comes more on the brand coming out, you're working with the influencer, you're not disclosing that this has been a paid collaboration. And now- it's- Which is just, just to jump in real quick, so the, the disclosing that it's a paid collaboration is different than like collecting a customer's data, right? It's another legal issue, as you rightly point out, that's really important. And so I think also influencers should understand, and a lot of them think, well, I got something for free. I'm not getting paid. I'm going to talk about it. It doesn't matter. I don't have to disclose it as an ad, but that still follows falls under, for example, the Federal Trade Commission here in the U.S., it falls under their advertising rules that you should disclose that it's an ad, even if you got something for free and you're talking about it, or even if you're not getting paid. So 
Yeah, the disclosure issue is also extremely important in terms of legal regulations. It's a good point that you mentioned about the gift aspect, right? Because we have the paid collaboration, but we have also influencers and talents that receive a lot of gifts. So what you're saying is that if an influencer receives a gift and they love the gift and they want to go, for example, on their Instagram stories and say, oh, I receive this new lipstick from X brand. I'm loving it. It's so amazing. Even if it's not a paid what you are recommending is to influencers to disclose that it's a gift. So how can they disclose it? It's just putting a hashtag gift or hashtag PR. Uh, it would be good for audience to understand that because there's a lot of debate uh, mm -hmm. that I don't need to disclose that it's a gift. I'm not going to it. Sure. So hashtag gift isn't really a thing, right? So hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored are like federally approved, you know, ways of disclosing that. It's an ad. I think when you get a gift, it's probably important to talk about, um, to at least talk about it and say, look, like coach sent me this fantastic bag and I love it. And, you know, to talk about that as opposed to like you going to a store and picking it out yourself, you know, and talking about it is different because it wasn't gifted to you. The gift is technically an incentive, right? It's an incentive bought from the brand for you to talk about their product. So it's, you know, it's, it's tough because it's very difficult for the FTC to enforce, but technically if you read the rules, you should disclose that it was a gift and, you know, you're going to talk about it in a promotional way. Um, but there's no sort of hashtag gift or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, under the rules, you should, even if you're given something for free, you should disclose that you were given it. Uh, into that subject, we are seeing a lot of influencers developing their own brand right now because it's a it, it, which is a part of the evolution that we're discussing here so influencers start promoting brand brands uh within their content across social media so now influencers they realize how powerful their voice are so why not to create my own brand so if i can sell for a brand i would be able to sell for my own brand do you have clients that it's going to that direction of, okay, Anita, now I want your support because I wanted to, to create my own brand? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would say over half of my clients are doing that. And it's definitely becoming more and more common, you know, for clients to start to do that. I think they begin to, you know, influencers are beginning to recognize that they have a tremendous amount of reach, but also that there are certain products that they just fit naturally into their own persona. You know, like I have a client whose family often appears on camera wearing robes. And so they started a line of robes of their own because people were always saying, where did you get those? You know, and so they created their own robes that they thought like, this is what we want in a robe. And so this is what we're going to create. And, you know, they've done incredibly well, but again, it authentically fits into their brand right like what they have created and it's kind of fun and they're getting this like feedback from the audience from their audience saying like oh i love your robes where did you get those and and so in that case we're definitely seeing a lot more of that and i think really it's just an opportunity for an influence it's just another way of, to expand their business mm -hmm. you know is is creating a like brands of their own 
and also an opportunity for brands to co-create new brands with influencers, right? Because I think there's another, it's another route to go getting existing brands to say, okay, so why not to co-create a new product with an influencer and just give the name of the brand of the influencer, which we have been seeing that quite a lot, right? Starting with Kiara Ferragini three years ago when she developed a line uh, of makeup with Lancome. And I think that was the starting point of, you know, uh, this uh, opportunity, which is super exciting. Uh, and the other, the other benefit for brands is obviously the marketing and promotion, right? Because they have access to these influencers audiences mm-hmm. and they're all of a sudden, like you have access to thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of people and that very like intimate connection. I mean, there's, it's kind of like a dream for brands in that sense. In terms of the, because we were discussing obviously regulations and how to disclose ad, if an influencer has their own brand and they're posting about it on their social media channels, uh, would they still have to disclose it as an ad or is it okay to include nothing in the caption whatsoever? I mean, if it's their own brand, they can talk about it because they're not being paid by like a third party to promote a product, right? It's their own. So to say like sponsored or ad doesn't really make a ton of sense because it's like, you know, integral to themselves. Like they're, you know, not getting paid by a third party to promote something. Anita, question here that I'm sure talents and friends are listening to your podcast today. They would love to know from your your perspective, is that as a secret for negotiation? So is there any skills that brands and influencers should know when they are negotiating a collaboration together? So in order to achieve, you know, a win-to-win deal or there is no secret. So lovely to, to, to get your perspective on that. So I negotiate every day, all day, and I love it. It's the favorite part of my job is negotiating. There are many, many, many secrets to it. Um, I'm going to tell you a few, but I'm not going to tell you all of them. Uh, it's, it, there's definitely some, there's definitely skills and there's the skills that, that you can develop in negotiating. I think, you know, I can speak from just my own personal experience and the way I like to approach negotiating. I think what you said is absolutely true. It can be a win-win situation for everybody, right? I think the, the key and the most important thing is to know your value, right? As an influencer, if you know what your bottom line is, what you are willing to walk away from any given deal, like at what point you're willing to walk away, that's going to give you a tremendous amount of leverage. So if you're, if you're thinking, I don't want to get paid less than $5,000 for an Instagram post, then if somebody's offering you less than $5,000, you should push back and you should be willing to walk away if they don't give you what you want. So it, it gives you a tremendous amount of power when you really sit down and understand what your value is and what you're bringing to the brand. And then when you're going into those negotiations, you know what that is, right? That's really important. I think another thing is to, you know, appeal to a brand in the sense of understanding what that brand needs, right? So before you start negotiating, do your research, look at what type of things they do, look at the type, you know, kind of people they work with, understand the messaging, And, you know, when you're negotiating with them, if you understand what the brand needs and you're saying to them, I can give you this, 
So that's going to help a lot, right? Because they're going to say, oh, wow, this person really understands us, right? Like you're, again, showing how you can bring, you're knowing your value, but you're also demonstrating how you are bringing that value. I think that's really important. And, you know, professionalism is so important. Be responsive. Don't take days to answer an email. Like this, everybody's running a business and no one has time for that. So if you're serious, you know, respond to emails in a timely manner, respond to them in a professional way, be polite, like be nice, you know, people want to work with people they like. And I think the likability factor is so important because you can have an influencer with millions of followers and you can have an influencer with thousands of followers. I can tell you hands down that a brand is going to want to work with the person they like, the person that they know they can depend on, who's professional. And that isn't necessarily the influencer with millions of followers, you know? So professionalism is key. And, you know, I think negotiating is very intimidating to a lot of people because they see it as a process, like that's about conflict, right? Like you're going in and it's hard nosed, you know, toe to toe. And it, it doesn't have to be that way at all. I think it's, it's really about making sure that on, you know, whether you're a brand or an influencer, making sure that you ultimately are getting what you need. And, you know, as long as both parties feel like something is fair, then they're going to feel good about it. And they're probably going to end up working together again. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a process that's fraught with conflict. I very rarely enter in negotiations that are, you know, full of conflict and stressing me out. It's, that's in the movies. That's not really real life. It's so true. And I love the fact that you said about the likability. Yeah. I'm a truly believer that you have to start negotiating, but being nice to start with, right? And from the first moment that you're approaching an influencer to collaborate together, you're not asking for a favor, right? So you have to, it's more like I have an opportunity and I feel that it's going to be great for you to collaborate with this brand. I think your values match with the values of the brand. So if you're interested, let's start the discussion, but also being very approachable because as you said, sometimes people think that negotiation is a scary thing to do, but it's actually, it's not. So we are bringing together brands and influencers to do an amazing project together, an amazing collaboration. So how much do you cost? and how much the brand is willing to pay. And then we're gonna start that conversation and then find you know, a balance that everyone will be happy and starting a collaboration together that most of the time that we do healthy negotiations and you know that influencers see that we care and brands see that we care is when we get long-term collaboration. Yeah, I think this is the ending goal, right? So let's start small perhaps, But if you like me and I like you and we get great results, this can become a marriage. And, uh, and I, I love to see from, from that perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to remember that when you're going into negotiating a deal, it's not the end all and be all, right? Like there are other deals out there. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Like there's tons of brands, there's other deals out there both for the brand and the influencer. And it's just business, right? You can't take it personally. It's just business. And I think people start to sort of get caught up in the emotion of it, or they, they take things personally when someone says things. So I think it's really important to sort of take a step back and, and understand like it's not personal at all. It's just business. And 
everyone at the end of the day is going to get other deals and it's okay. Yeah, to add something here, I think uh, this like was a very good description of it. I think it's really important to deploy empathy when when uh, going into negotiations, understanding who's on the other side, understanding their point of view, and exactly if the deal doesn't work, uh, understanding why it didn't work, and then moving on. There will be another deal, uh, and uh, we'll work together on another uh, on another campaign. And I think what you said, Anita, in terms of uh, influencers really understanding the brand and understanding the brand's needs, uh, the brand's tone of voice. Those are really the influencers that you want to work with for a longer collaboration. We can say that on our side and on the projects that we work on, we have some influencers that we absolutely, absolutely love working with because they really understand the brand's tone of voice. They really understand what the brand wants and they act as the perfect ambassador for the brand. And those are always the influencers that we keep working with on an ongoing basis on multiple projects. And I think that's a really amazing advice for creators uh, when approaching negotiations and also approaching brand deals to, to do their research, to understand who the brand is. Yeah, exactly. And that will also prevent a lot of pain, potentially like, you know, long-term, like say everything's going great. You negotiate a deal as an influencer, you get the rate you wanted. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you create the content and you haven't sort of looked into what the brand has been doing in the past. And they're, the brand is like, well, this isn't what we were looking for. And then there's issues, right? So I think it's important to do that research and make sure that as an influencer that your, your content is, is going to work for that brand. And, you know, it's, it's, you have to do your homework really. That's really what it boils down to. And then, like you said, Alex, if, if an influencer does that and can deliver great content for a brand, they're going to, that brand is going to work with them again. And that's really important. Those relationships are very, very important. Absolutely. And also making sure that, you know, influencers and brands, when it comes to work together, this is something that I always say to, to influencers that we work, making sure that it's genuine, that you really like this brand. Yeah. Because I think in nowadays, there's so many offers that we're discussing here. You know, there's so many opportunities, but let making sure that influencers and, and brands, so when they're working together is because there's a brand affinity, right? The money is important, but just let make the money part of the big deal where, okay, I would do that. They're going to pay me, but I love this brand. This brand has a very good fit with my values, with what I believe. And I think that's when you see better results rather than influencers jumping into every opportunity just for, you know, the sake of having so many opportunities. I think now is the time for influencers to do less. Less is more. I will always say yeah. that, you know, less is more and do with the brands that you believe that share the same values. And I think is when you see great results, as I said. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with that. I agree that right now, Influencer marketing is, is so red hot that there are many, many opportunities coming to clients and, you know, coming to our influencer clients and being selective is so important. If you're doing a brand deal every other day, you know, you also dilute your brand in the sense that it just seems like you're going to talk about anything um, as opposed to being selective and maybe doing less brand deals, but for more money, you know, really focusing on like, okay, I'm going to do one or two a quarter but this is what I, my rates are going to be. And really thinking about that, right? Like how do these brand integrations fit into your content? And, 
you know, your voice. And that's, you know, incredibly important. I do have clients that do deals for much less than their regular rates because they want to develop a relationship with a brand, right? Like, for example, I used coach before. I mean, if a client wants to work with coach, they might accept less than the regular rate to develop that relationship. So that happens as well. And that's, that's something for influencers to think about um, also. Absolutely. Anita, we could stay here forever talking because this is a very, very, very important subject that we haven't ever discussed on our podcast. And I'm sure, like, as I said, our audience, we're going to love uh, all we have been speaking here. I would love to, to wrap up our conversation asking you for like five recommendations you would give to influencers. Like if you have to say, five things that influencers can, how they can protect their brands and their content in today's landscape on social, what would be your five top tips? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, as an attorney, my, my top, top tip is read your contracts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't sign things without reading them. And, you know, if it's possible, have an attorney review it because the, as we discussed, you know, contracts have evolved, things are more complicated. But a contract outlines your legal obligations and your rights. It's very, very important, you know. So that's really my top tip. I mean, my second tip is what we just spoke about. You know, don't dilute your brand. Don't try to do too many deals. There are many offers coming in. It's very tempting, right, because there's money attached to these offers. And everyone has different financial needs. But really try to kind of assess every offer very carefully and how it fits into your brand and your business. I think that's um, being selective is, is important. And then, you know, we've been talking about brand deals, but we haven't talked about content. And if you're not creating good content, you're not going to get the brand deals. So the focus should really always be on content, 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 right? Creating that content that's quality, that appeals to your followers, but also being consistent. And I think, you know, people sort of lose sight of that all of a sudden that, you know, the content is key, right? If you are creating great content, then you're, you know, the brands will come to you. So it's really important to, to not lose that, um, that focus. And then also, you know, and I can't remember if this is, maybe I'm on number four now, but uh, know your value, right? Again, like know your value, know your numbers, understand what you're bringing to the table as an influencer, you know, what you can give to brands, really, really understand and know your value. Um, and that takes like some, you know, reflection and sitting back and really looking at everything that you're doing, you know, across the board and, and number five, and, you know, maybe this is just the Canadian in me, but be nice, you know, just be nice to people because it's, it's so important. And it's, you just never know when you're going to meet somebody again in, you know, in life or in, in that person might be in a different role or, but it's a, it's a very small world. So be nice to people. I think that's, um, I think that's very important. I love all your tips and it's especially on the be nice. I'm with you on that. I think there is no harm on being nice on being kind on being polite. And I think this uh, being nice is the starting point of any, any business, any negotiation, and I agree with you, the world is so small, we never know when we're going to meet that person again, so why not be nice? And when you are nice, you can get more deals, you can get more projects, things can flow uh, much better, right? Exactly, absolutely. And you, know, you just feel better about yourself in general, and that's helpful always. 
Lovely. Anita, such a pleasure to meet with you. I really hope I will be able to go to New York soon. I've, I used to go to New York two to three times a year. So I miss New York so much. So hopefully I will be able to travel again and meet you in person. But thank you again for taking the time to be here with us today. And uh, very grateful. Hope everyone that's listen to us today have enjoyed this conversation so we were going to leave anita's website from her company on the bottle of our captions when this podcast is live so making sure that check out her work and if you need a lawyer here you go anita uh, can help you influencers and pleasure to 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 have you today alex thank you so much for co-hosting this podcast with me today Thank you so much. And thank you so much for uh, speaking with us, Anita. I think it's a very, it uh, became a very good conversation. And I think it's going to be useful to a lot of our listeners. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And I would love to see you guys in New York. So please come as soon as you can. It would be awesome. I'd love to take you for lunch. Hopefully we can meet in person soon. And I would love to be on again. If you ever need an attorney again, I'm here. And uh, thank you again. Amazing. We will, for sure. Uh, we definitely probably get in touch with you for, for some uh, news that our agency is about to launch in America. So, But we, will, we can speak that separately. Great. Great. <laughs> so everyone, thank you so much for listening to us on today's podcast, Influencer Marketing Uncover, powered by MG Power Global Influencer Agency. Thank you so much for everyone that has listened to us today. Hope to see you soon on our next episode. Be, be well, take care. Thank you so much. Bye.